Although it may be a cliché, it is nonetheless true that little things often have momentous effects. When I first found Hepzibah, she was only a kitten, a poor, wet, bedraggled thing who could not decide whether she would die from starvation or from drowning. Yet it was this harmless creature who brought Jeffrey and me together and began for me a season of steadily mounting terror that made my life a nightmare. Jeffrey. Leduzium. That house with its haunted corridors. Tales of ghostly nuns who wandered the earth to mourn their brutal deaths. I would have known none of these had not a litter of kittens been tied in a bag and thrown into a river to drown. I nearly drowned myself in that river. When I thought about it afterward, I could almost hear Aunt Gwyneth saying, She's always acted without thinking. I can't say I'm surprised this happened. And it would be true, I suppose. But on this occasion, there wasn't time to think. I had gone for a walk in the country. I did that often. My home was not a happy one. And although Aunt Gwyneth warned me over and over that the doctors would send me to the sanitarium again, I spent as much of my time as possible in the out-of-doors, alone. I did not mind so much being alone. It seemed to me that I had been alone all my life. I was twenty-one now. I had been only four when an accident claimed the lives of my parents, and I scarcely remembered them. I had been six when rheumatic fever claimed me, and since that time I'd spent ample time indoors, in hospitals and sanitariums and sick rooms, alone, except for the efficient and invariably aloof doctors and nurses who hovered about. Aunt Gwyneth could not be expected to understand how much it meant to me to go out of her gloomy, unloving house and into the sunshine and fresh air. What did the risk of a chill matter in exchange for the smell of sweet clover and goldenrod? Her words to me were always practical and sound, but how willing I was to trade them for the hum of grasshoppers and crickets and the singing of birds. She'd always seen that I had good food to eat and a clean bed to sleep in, but how I loved to lie in the tall grass by the river and eat wild berries I'd pick myself along the way. My aunt had been very good to me, and I tried to be kind to her, but I'd long since realized the unhappy truth, that what she did, she did from a sense of obligation, and not because she loved me. She never had. A seldom-used road followed along the river, on its opposite bank. This particular day I was lying in the grass, gazing reflectively at the blue sky above, when I heard the sound of an automobile. I remained where I was, not through any desire to conceal myself, but merely from indolence. The car slowed and stopped almost directly across the river from me. After a moment or so, I lifted my head out of idle curiosity. I was in time to see a shabbily dressed farmer carrying a burlap bag to the river's edge. He looked about once. There was something so furtive in that look that I instinctively lowered my head, but he did not see me. Satisfied that he was alone, he lifted his parcel high and gave it a toss. It landed nearly in the middle of the river, sank below the surface at once, and bobbed up again. The stranger gave another quick glance around and then scrambled up the grassy bank to his car. In another moment, he was driving away. I jumped to my feet. In that moment, before he had thrown that bag, I was certain that something in it had moved. Now watching it bob on the surface, I could see clearly that there was something alive in it struggling to escape. As the noise of the car faded in the distance, I recognized the frightened meowing of kittens. 
he had thrown an unwanted litter of kittens into the river to drown. Shock gave way to indignation. Without thinking ahead, I ran down the bank and splashed into the water. The river was not terribly wide at this point, but it was deeper than I had realized, and its placid surface belied the swift current beneath. I struggled through water that was waist-high, then chest-high, until I was almost swimming. I could only move with maddening slowness. The bag had drifted downstream, but to my relief, it caught on a branch dangling into the water. I prayed that it would hold there until I reached it. Just beyond that point, the river grew wider and deeper, and I would never have been able to reach the sack if it were carried into that part. I was barely able to manage where I was. It seemed an eternity before I reached the sack and could clasp it in my cold hands. I stood for a moment, gasping for breath. I was not very strong physically, 